this week's episode of the High Ground Podcast. I am excited because we're going to jump into the original trilogy. Um, and I just got I got some awesome guests of a few a uh, couple first timers and uh, a couple all stars. So, yes, we're going to have a lot of fun here um, on the High Ground. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the High Ground Podcast. Uh, we are hanging out here. This is ish, uh, episode 77, I believe. So I feels weird. feels weird uh, doing this for so long, <laughs> but it is awesome. Um, I want to start by going around the room and having y'all introduce yourselves. Um, so I'll ask, who are you? Where can we find your amazing content? And uh, the icebreaker question I chose this time is, you're going to be born into the Star Wars universe. Any time period, any place, you get to choose who your parents are. Um, or, 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 or it could even be a single family home. That's cool, too. Um, yeah. Who are you? Uh, when will you be born and who are going to be your parents? And I will go to Victoria first. Hey, y'all. Um, it's Victoria, y'all, on TikTok. And Instagram, on Twitter, I am Victoria Vader 13 And one day I'm going to get the courage to ask It's Victoria, y'all, for their handle. But today is not that day. So <laughs> just keep hyping me up for that. One day I'll send them a DM. But, um, yeah, for now I'm on TikTok and Instagram. And um, the parents I would want in the Star Wars universe, I feel like... Families have some bad luck in this universe, and so it's it's. I'm drawing a little bit of a blank. Um, I'm thinking maybe I would want. I know this is gonna come out of like left field, but maybe like <laughs> I don't know. The first thought I had was like maybe like I don't know Piet or even Ozil because they would be gone and busy all the time. <laughs> Like if they could like wow if they were a little like Damn. a couple. I've never would have thought someone would have said Admiral Piet as a father figure or a father. Wow, that's a... hey, I, I love it. I appreciate it. I do have to. I do have to shout out really quickly about um my shirt. My husband got it yesterday for Christmas. It says "Tall, Darth, and Handsome," and it's Darth Vader. And when he opened his gift, he started laughing, and his parents were like, "Oh no, do you hate it?" And he said, "No, I don't hate it, but." I know I'm never going to wear it. And they're like, because you hate it. And they're like, no, because my wife's going to steal it. So <laughs> debut tonight on the high ground podcast. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's glorious. Thank you. <laughs> um, speaking of glorious, uh, we have the beard, uh, the greatest beard. Um, yeah. Why don't you, <laughs> why don't you go ahead and, uh, you know, introduce uh, yourself and yeah. Who would you want to be uh have his parents in the Star Wars universe. Um, I'm Brian, Brian with the beard on TikTok and Ginger Beard Man on, on Twitter. Um, if I had to choose parents in the Star Wars universe, I'd probably go with Han and Leia because I could also be a trouble causing kid. Um, you know, little dark side, little not, you know, like that kind of thing. So I think that'd be fun. Okay. No, I, I appreciate it. I mean, 
you know, we, we know that the, the track record <laughs> canonically isn't the best, but you're nothing like, you know, that, that has just as much to do with the kid as it does the parents, you know? Um, how about you, Xanthi? I think if we're talking about pre-established parents, I think Bale or Ghana, like Bale and Brea would probably be good choices. Absolutely. And um, where can we find you and all oh, yeah. your amazing content? Um, I'm Xanthi, um, Star Wars Music Minute. And you can find me uh, on all platforms, I believe, at Star Wars Music Minute. I'm sort of new to TikTok, <laughs> so, um, so I'm, I'm trying. Um, at Star Wars Music Minute and on Twitter at Star Wars Newsman and on YouTube, Star Wars Music Minute. I have a podcast called Star Wars Music Minute. Wow. Um, <laughs> and the point of the podcast is to go through the Star Wars films in chronological order of each film, like five minutes at a time. So basically each episode goes like very deep dive analysis into the music and sound contained within single five minute chunk. I see cool. Star Wars Lawyer in the comments. Um, we recorded earlier today. So He's my next oh, guest. We're talking about awesome. the scene, the cantina scene of A New Hope. Right. That's, five minute chunk. That's super cool. I, I've had the pleasure of being on that podcast and it was a lot of fun and amazing. And I'm happy that we, be, we were able to become friends based off of that. Me too. Um, last but certainly not least, we have a uh, P thug in the chat uh, <laughs> here. Um, Fun story. One of the reasons, one of the original podcasts that I listened to that inspired me to start making uh, content was one of Paul Herman's here. Um, it's, it's not around anymore, but uh, yeah. Let us know what you're currently doing yeah, and who your parents would be. Okay. Uh, I got all kinds of stuff going on. Um, my name is Paul Herman. I'm on the, uh, for Star Wars purposes, I'm on the Saga Continues podcast with my good buddies, Tyler. Uh, Kyle, Kyle and Tim. Um, I was on a blaster cannon uh, podcast with my friend Saf and Megan that uh, Dark Char- Charco himself. He's the one that's how he discovered us um, or me, I should say. And then, um, yeah, <clears throat> so I, you can check out those podcasts. I think it's still up there. But the, for my regular Star Wars content, it's all on the saga continues. We have a blast. I love those dudes. They're great. Um, you can find me on Twitter. Herman 22 with two N's, AKA P thug. And, uh, I'm also on a MCU podcast called the MCU fan show. We just had a four hour, no way home review. And I'm not joking four hours. Um, so yeah, that tracks. <laughs> I have to be really careful. You're going to just mute me sometimes just to shut me up. Um, so anyway, if you like Marvel content, go there. Cause I, talk ad nauseum about that and, and mispronounce and forget people's names constantly, which I get yelled at by people on Twitter and tell me I should be replaced. But, <laughs> uh, but, but I, I digress, but yeah. Um, so find me all that stuff there. And uh, Xanthi, your podcast sounds awesome, by the way, I'm stoked to listen to that. So Thanks. I'm a musician myself. So oh, sweet, sweet. Yeah. I'm so somewhat if, people, if you don't want to <laughs> listen to, you know, yeah, if, if it helps to have the visual. <laughs> No, no, it's cool. I, I'm stoked. I'm I'm stoked to check that out. Um, my parents. Uh, that's an easy one for me. It's gonna be C3PO and R2D2. Like it's got to be them because like they're like basically built-in nanny droids. So you know, I mean, it's what. I, and, and and this is the truth be told. C3PO is my favorite all-time character. Oh, one of mine too. Definitely favorite droid. All right, girl, me and you. We got we got this. Musician C3PO. I like. I, you're my favorite already. I you're, like this. You're in good company. Um, Excellent. 
for for me, I would say, um, you know what? My my mind just went straight to Lando and L three, but that, that seems like a bad idea. I don't know. We'd have fun though. We'd have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. That'd be shoot uh, for sure. Um, real quick in the chat. Uh, well, a there's a lot of people. Uh, you know, Star Wars lawyer, like you said, says uh, Xanthi, fancy seeing you here. Um. I'm being asked how I am. I'm doing well. Uh, we got uh, Madison was on the mall episode back in the day. Uh, I'm sure she's here supporting Victoria. Um, yeah, we have the, the best people, the best people here. Uh, Galactic Mermaid also says the Organas seem like a great option. Um, Cal, I missed the first one, but Poe and Finn. Um Let's see, Satine and Obi Wan. I feel like that's cheating, but that's yeah, that is cheating. perfect. That is the best. <laughs> Why is it cheating? Yeah, it, it's anybody. I could pick I mean, Jabba the Hutt and the Gamorrean Guard if I wanted to, right? That's that's <laughs> true. That's true. Um, I, that might be a, a good pairing as well. <laughs> uh, but it's a looking name. Um, Curly Coffee Works. Can I ha- have uh, Ahsoka as an adoptive parent? Luke Potterwan's podcast says Ahsoka in Lux. I don't, I don't know, I don't know about you. Oh, I remember Lux. Yeah, yeah, that was like her first like love interest in Clone Wars. But he was like Lux Bondi or something, right? That's his name. Lux Bonteri, yes. Yeah, something, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> he's, like, he's like kind of fancier than her, and mm-hmm. they kind of had a thing anyway. <laughs> and we have Thane and Sienna. <clears throat> I they, thought about that, but but don't just just don't talk politics at the kitchen table. <laughs> And and you'll be all right. You'll be all right. if you haven't read Lost Stars, please do. It's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read it as soon as Chaka when we were hanging out like a few weeks ago when you all were like, "Have you read Lost Stars yet?" And I was like, "Not yet." It's I I probably should right that that day. I got it and like bros like breezed through it and was like, "Oh my god, this is like one of the best Star Wars books." <laughs> it's, it's good. Enchanting. I was telling him on our last podcast, we just did, we just deep dived on like a bunch of current uh, comic books. Um, I was telling him that I love the manga of Lost Stars. So if you guys are manga fans, like Mm -hmm. I haven't read all of them, but the first volume was beautiful. And I love the book. I'm not a big novel person. I'm audiobook only. And my ADHD does not let me dive into novels very often. So comic books are always the perfect thing. And the manga I thought was really, it looked beautiful. So Mm -hmm. if you guys like, if you guys like the novel, Highly recommend the manga. Yeah, it is. I haven't read all of it either, but like there are some scenes that just like they just break my heart. They're just yeah. so adorable, you know. Um, but uh yeah, all right, it's jumping into it. We're talking original trilogy. Um, I just want to get uh quick hits from everyone. We're gonna kind of like uh roll these next two together. And so just really quickly, how were you introduced to the original trilogy? Uh, because I'm sure all of us found Star Wars at different time points. Um, and also, is there a character that you think, you know, we deserve more than we got? Um, and I'm going to go to uh, to Brian first. Oh, we'll start with me. Okay. So I got into the original trilogy at like, honestly, before I can remember, like when I was like two and three, I would come down, like I would, I'd be the first one to wake up on the weekends. And so I'd come down and my parents had like a bottle of juice in the fridge for me. And I'd go in the family room and just grab a, a VHS tape and like stick it in the, the TV. And we had a box set of the original trilogy. And that's what I watched on repeat like forever. 
So like I was watching Star Wars before I could even remember watching Star Wars. <laughs> um, and so who would who deserved more than we got from them? I'd say I'm gonna I'm gonna give you two. It, it would be Lando and Boba Fett. And luckily, it seems like both those characters now <laughs> are getting more than they got back then. So I think we're doing okay now. Yeah. Um, I, I, who who was uh, Star Wars Explained was just doing some content about how there was actually a lot more that was supposed to happen with Boba Fett, and George Lucas was like, you know what, just just throw him in a bit. <laughs> Things weren't working out, which is a very Lucas thing to do. Exactly, mm-hmm. very Lucas. <laughs> how about you, Xanthi? I don't really remember how exactly I got introduced to Star Wars, but my brother and I both suddenly knew about it at some point when we were like very young elementary school. And um, yeah, it's, I knew like I was talking about star Wars with my brother and we would talk about it like before, like, I feel like star Wars was part of our lives before we even saw it really. So like, I didn't even know what I was talking. I just knew that there was like a character named Jabba the Hutt. And I knew that there was like this character named Vader. So like, I already knew so much about star Wars, like before I even saw star Wars. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess I just knew. And then the first thing I saw in theaters was, this is probably why there was talk about it at the time, but it was Return of the Jedi special edition. And yeah, that was my first theatrical Star Wars. And then the first one that I I remember was Phantom Menace. Nice. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I so, you, so your first experience was, you know, the... Uh, the new the uh yes beautiful. i've never i've still never seen the, the original like the despecialized Whoa. but uh Whoa. crazy 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 <laughs> not this really though up. it's hard to like that's true I, yeah that's true that's true that's true yeah wow. uh, i love it. oh and then um the other question uh was there anyone that you wish we got more of oh okay well if it's phrased like that then Honestly, not really. I I don't feel like <laughs> I don't feel like um there are any I don't I don't feel like there are any characters that I needed more about. There I certainly like I don't know. I, I like Job of the Hut. Like I think Job of the I always thought Job of the Hut was like, really f- fun as a kid. I don't know. I just yes. <laughs> fun to just like I don't know, talk about and, and play. <laughs> this little buddy was always love Java. And I don't think um, it's really hard for me to, because Star Wars is so part of me that it's it's actually it's it's hard for me to actually think about what more I would want. And also, I'm so used to there being so much content filling in gaps all the time now that like I actually would take a step back and say that there are characters that I didn't need as much material about later, um, or that like even if I did or that I don't think I need to fill in gaps super fast. Like, I think it's really exciting when I don't know something about star Wars. And so that's, that's where I am right now is like, I love when there's stones still unturned. Yeah. I I would agree with that. That's why I like, you know, I'm a big fan of the time jumps because we get to like jump into the interesting and then they can fill in that if, if we want to like dig in there. But how, how about you, Paul? Well, um, so for for me, I grew up on it. B- basically, I, I knew it from birth. I, I knew two things growing up instantly, and it just was ingrained in me. And I, 
it was Star Wars and, and Spider-Man. Those are the two things I grew up and just, I knew it from the start. My earliest memories are probably watching Empire Strikes Back with my uh, my family. Uh, I have a brother who's six years older than I am. So I had a, I think, so he got a bunch of toys and I had inherited, and we shared a lot from each other. Um, the interesting thing for me is, and I, I love telling the story because uh, I just think it's, I think, I think it's cool, but it's just, it's just me. I mean, I'm biased in my own story. Uh, but uh, when growing up, I only knew <laughs> Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. I had no idea there was a, another film before Empire Strikes Back. So when I was in kindergarten, I don't, you know, this, again, this, I, forgot, I don't know how old that is, but I remember being in the car and I'm just a diehard Star Wars fan. I mean, I, I have all, a bunch of toys or whatever. And my mom's like, oh, Paul, the first Star Wars movie is coming on tonight. And this is like early, like late 80s. So I think this is like only like the second time I think A New Hope would be on uh, like CBS or something like a second time. But um, I'm like, oh, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. No, 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 no. It's the first one. I'm like, the first one? <laughs> and I had no idea that there was a a, 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 movie, uh, a movie before. And my parents are like, yeah. And I'm like, well, who's in it? Well, Luke's in it and C-3PO and R2-D2. I'm like, really? What about Lando? Nope. Yoda? Nope. I'm like, just like, what? It's so weird. So I always say that A New Hope is my first prequel because it really was. And it's so different. I mean, it's so 70s. The film stock, everything is so 70s that it just looks so different to me. It's just like a different era. It feels like, even though it's only like, what, two, three years later or whatever. So um that was my experience of growing up with star wars but i had a I crap load of the toys and yeah i just re recorded them um off tv i remember um i think i'm the oldest here which feels really weird i, I think i'm the oldest um pretty sure i am but uh i was we had this at a time where you could only rent vcrs you know basically so we had to rent a vcr from the video store Rented Return of the Jedi, and I remember watching Return of the Jedi the day we had to leave, like return it, everything, and I just bawled my eyes out, like because I was like, no. <laughs> so I was way ahead of my time. I, I was all about home video even before everyone else was, I think. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I I just yeah, I grew up on it. It's 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 ingrained in me. You know, it's one of those things. I just I I've seen it. I can't even tell you how many times I've seen those movies. They've seen them a zillion times. And uh, as far as um, character we ever got. Uh, a lot of you know i agree uh, with um you know with, with you uh, zany uh basically I, I feel like mostly everyone's got had, had a pretty good like a good rushed out i mean yeah like maybe a couple of characters here and there the one i think retroactively i think is the the most glaring which everyone loves to criticize is boba fett because everyone's like why is he so popular you know he's only been on screen for like five minutes you know that whole you know argument so I'd say, like, in retrospect, I think it's obvious you probably would keep Boba Fett alive maybe throughout the trilogy and or throughout um, the end battle for, for Endor or something like that and not kill him off in the Sarlacc pit, I'm assuming. So that's what I would say probably is the one we probably we should have got a little more in a little bit on because. Um, but yeah, but obviously Lucas was done by that point with Return <laughs> of the Jedi. He was like... <laughs> Get me out of here. So, uh, but yeah, that's that's where I I would take it at this point. I mean, it's like I always say, done is better than perfect. And he's like, all right, print it, ship it. Yeah. Don't yeah. don't worry about it. <laughs> um, I'm like ah, oh, yeah. <laughs>
You, oh, you, 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 uh, you called you, me zany. I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm the worst at like pronouncing everything. So just, just tell me to shut up and say it's, it's, I'm just said it wrong. And so I, I, again, future, I'm so sorry. Fine. Xanthi. I'm so, see, I'm so, Xanthi. It's fine. Don't be like me. Don't, don't be like me. All right. Sorry. Xanthi. All right. Thank you. Oh, uh, it's, it's all good. Um, and then how about you, uh, Victoria? I've, I've always just, love your story of (laughs) (laughs) so revenge of the sith was coming out in theaters and my parents were like oh well you probably need to have some background to this and so they were like oh we're gonna start with a new hope watch all the original trilogy then watch the prequel trilogy one and two before we take you to the theater to see revenge of the sith and then they changed their minds so i saw episode four a new hope and then i went um and watched episode one and two on D, like i guess vhs or dvd i think it was a dvd at that point and then we went to the theaters to see revenge of the sith so i had been introduced um kind of my uh orientation to star wars is through darth vader so i'm gonna be speaking a lot through that lens but um i knew who darth vader was without knowing who he was so he was a totally separate character to me that i already loved and then I go and I watch episode one and two. And I'm like, yeah, this Anakin guy, super cool, right? Episode three, we're in the middle of the theaters. Spoiler alert, he is Darth Vader. And the it, it starts to happen. Mustafar starts to happen. And I like look over at my mom and she said my eyes were like bawling, crying. She had to take me out of the theater because I was crying so hard. And I was like, I don't want to ruin this experience for people, but like it's too much for my little nine-year-old heart but so (laughs) needless to say um that's how i got introduced to star wars was just through um it's 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 a culture it's a family and i feel like everyone came to star wars through someone else and that's how a lot of people um that that's i know that kind of touches on one of the questions later how do these movies hold up so well but i mean it is it's a it's a culture and um something like a family that people can build by sharing it with others and so it's always cool hearing how everyone gets into star wars because it always ten, nine times out of ten um involves something connected to someone else um and then what character deserved more than we got um I, I would tend to agree that in the original trilogy, you you looking at it by itself, you look at these characters and you feel that these missing pieces are satisfying. These, these holes are satisfying because you can fill them in with your imagination. And I think that's what makes a really powerful story. I would um, love a little bit more. I, I know this kind of also touches on a later question, but I would like to see more of the like i don't know um leia's journey i guess maybe her through her perspective i think this is also on my mind because i just saw the new sword art online movie and just like that shift in perspective of the same material is really really beautiful and so i think seeing the original trilogy like oriented around luke I would be interested to see the original trilogy oriented around Leia. Obviously, that's, you know. That's interesting. Because that's what someone I've been I, I really want the sequel trilogy told from from Ben's point of view. I think yeah. that would be really interesting um personally. But I've I've never thought about like like that. Um I also also have a Terry Tan in the chat saying I got into Star Wars through through my kids. 
That's, that's my beautiful. <laughs> I, I figured as much, so that's that's why I'm gonna call it out. It's, <laughs> but it's, it brings families together, and that's mm-hmm. that's wonderful. Um, sorry, you were gonna say something else, uh, Victoria? I forgot. I'm sorry. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, for for me, you know, I've told my story many times here, but it's just rewatching Empire Strikes Back over and over and over again on uh, a VHS tape. I had really no. It was like recorded off of TV at some point in time. Um, I don't even know if the entire movie was recorded. Uh, you know, you know how you like it would start, and you'd have to like run and grab the tape and put it in there and try to catch all of it. Yeah. Um, and, or, people, and stop at the commercials. Yeah, exactly. So just like, you know, cuts and stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, so I, I watched that tape until it broke. And then that's around the time the re-releases were coming out in the theater. So um, it was it was a great time to be alive. But as far as characters to see more of, I was endlessly fascinated by the Bounty Hunter meeting. And I'm like, all of these guys look crazy. And weird. Is that a weird robot bug man? Like, what what is happening here? You know, as as a child, if I were to pick one, it'd be Bosk. Though, I mean, I love love my 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 big lizard dudes. You know, <laughs> that's why one of my favorite characters from from Legends is Saba Sabatine. Just just big lizards. Give them to me all day. <laughs> Where's that from? I want to I- see the lizards. <laughs> Uh, Saba Sabatin is a character from from Legends. Um, uh, that's who actually trains Leia um, in in Legends, and oh, like is a big really? part of it throughout oh. um, the major storylines. And then uh, it gets kind of weird in like Legacy of the Force, where she hides okay. in the temple and then has a bunch of lizard babies, and then they recap. Okay, <laughs> yeah, because I I jumped because my main Legend stuff as far as post Return of the Jedi pretty much ends right before I think like these Vong show up. So maybe it's, if it's a little bit before then, then yeah, I kind of check out before then. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's after, well, it's both before and after that, but she's a background character for most of the time. Okay. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's jump into it. All right. A new hope. This is, you know, one, one of a kind, this uh, type of film, has never been created except for you know um uh, japanese films that very heavily <laughs> inspired it um but yeah what what jumped out at you on on this i kind of want it to be open forum and talk about the things that you you love about um about a new hope i guess i'll, I'll pick someone that ran would get us started but uh let's go with xanthi so a new hope is like i find it intimidating to talk about. And since that's the current season that my podcast is on, like I was really intimidated going into the season because the new hope is like, it's been talked about so much and a lot of smart things have been said about it. And that's on the musical side as well. Um, the original trilogy films sort of, they blend together for me as original trilogy kind of. And I would have to say that like return of the Jedi was always the most distinct film to me growing up. But and a new hope and Empire Strikes Back were sort of like all one. But but now that I'm going through it five minutes at a time, something that really strikes me about it is how um, how fast paced it is. Like how how quickly it moves from one place to another. Like how fast the plot develops. Really, like a lot happens in every like five minute chunk. It's 
it's astounding. It's a very like lean score as well. Um, yeah, it's just very efficient. That's, that's interesting. I, um, cause I always think like for, for me, it feels like the beginning part with, you know, the droids just wandering in the, in the desert feels really long to me. I know Lucas wanted it longer because mm -hmm. <laughs> he loves that, but, um, yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, that's cool. You know, piggybacking off what you said, uh, I, for me, I, it's crazy. Cause I, I think that movie definitely is like, like you said to George Hucko, like, it's it's Lucas wanted it longer, and if you watch the Empire of Dreams documentary, which is phenomenal, if you guys haven't seen that, yeah. that is a phenomenal documentary. If you're a Star Wars fan, and you haven't seen it, you got to just just after this, go watch it. It's incredible. Um, I've seen it like a hundred million times. I, I swear, I, I watch it like twice a year. It seems like, you know, when the editors are talking about the movie, it'll show you like deleted scenes, like you know when they're kind of talking about like the pacing and how Lucas really struggled with the pacing and him and Mar you know Marshall Lucas and uh, I think Paul Kirsch, I think it was his name is. Um, they talked about the editing and it just was just slowing down and they just went through and just cut, cut. And I think that's what's really fascinating about um, what you said, Zanti, that it pretty much is like it is more fast paced than people give it credit for honestly because you're right it's moving plot constantly in the medium film you know you can't waste time you're always constantly having to move you know things forward and when you have a lot of mythology you're just you know you're having a way around there's you have every second is so precious of establishing what you're doing in this new universe you're doing and i think that's the one the one thing i new hope you, you look at it even though it's, you know, over 40 years old now or whatever. And it's, it, I think it stands the test of times because it, it really is a template of how you introduce a mythology to a new audience and how you do it naturally without exposition dumps every five seconds, which is very much the typical way of most people, you know, back, especially back then, like, let's explain everything right here. I, Lucas, he's such a visual person. That's why I love Lucas so much because I feel like I'm a lot like him in the sense of where, only because we're both visual people and it's, it stops there. Um, but I'm such a visual learner and, and just person that I, he wanted, I think he uses that language to explain everything. That's why he wanted a lived in universe and make everything dirty. It was established the fact that this isn't like, this is a totally different uh, mindset of, of, you know, this world's lived in. Let's, it's got history. What does that all mean? And gets you thinking it, it, those are all things that are important to him. And I think that's what's so great about A New Hope and all of the original trilogy films or Star Wars in general. But I think I think A New Hope by itself, for me, and I'll, truth be told, is not my favorite of, of all the Star Wars films. It's kind of in the lower tier, to be quite honest. But I can recognize genius when I see it, right? So I think it's what why it stands the test of time and why it's, it's a template is because it establishes for so many people who are creating new mythologies in film or TV or whatever, it's the perfect example of how you do it. You don't have to start at like the very, very beginning because as we all know, A New Hope is the middle chapter. So I, I just think that it's, to me, that's what makes it so, so stand out in the test of time is because it is this movie that is a template. It's the it's the be all for people to look at and say, this is how you establish your, your, your uh, new universe. Yeah, that's absolutely what, you know, captured everyone because you could look at any given scene and be like, there's so much happening in this one scene that is, un, you know, unseen. <laughs> 
But, you know, I always go back to like the cantina scene where there's all these random people and they are all at different points in their own adventures. And you could follow the camera could follow any one of them and it would be a good movie. You know, that's that's kind of mm-hmm. how how I, I feel about it. Um, uh, how about you, uh, Brian? Any thoughts? Um, I think it's it's incredible what he came up with for like a first movie, like how detailed a lot of it like was just to just to jump into um although i i will say like some of my favorite stuff that they came up with besides the lore and all that is like i love like the sound design of the movie mm-hmm. and how they like invented the noise for like everything from lightsabers to blasters um to the droids and like stuff that had never been heard before and how like much work was put into that um i was just watching like uh some youtube videos on it like last week um which is really funny so like the amount of work that like uh, I think it was Ben Burt Ben Burt ben Bert put into it um, is like incredible. Like he, I'm sure he was working with other people. We give him most of the credit though. <laughs> um, and how much work he really put into like coming up with sounds that like sounded nothing like anything else, but, and now just like sound Star Wars, you know, like one, one of the best details was like, he was explaining how when they're on the Death Star, there's kind of just like a constant low hum the whole time that makes you feel like you're in this gigantic, like industrial, you know, space station. And so it's like, you don't really notice it, but if it wasn't there, it would like, there'd be kind of like a hollowness to like the scene. Yeah. It's so crazy to have to like create a brand new universe like that, like on that scale, there's certain other Mm -hmm. things like you can think of Lord of the Rings and stuff like that, but like they're still riding horses. They're still on a planet. It's trees. They're inventing stuff, but like the amount of just new concepts. um, I know. I I, I really do think it's uh, incredible. One of the scenes that always plays in my head though is the both the, the music and just the scene of the Millennium Falcon landing on the Death Star and how beautiful that scene is mm-hmm. from the get-go and like how practical they made that and just like the way the music plays with it's just building this anticipation. And that scene lasts a really long time, but it's like I don't know, it's per- perfect to me. So a new hope, I think, is just such a beautiful testament to collaboration. Um, and like you were speaking on earlier with Empire of Dreams, that gives us a lot of insight that like this was not created in a vacuum by one brain. Um, and I, I just I think it's just remarkable how in this world building we see a new hope as like this beautiful, like um dynamic entity like it, it's it is dynamic in so many ways even though film is fixed like you can look at it and see so many new new points for this world to break off into and um i think it's just amazing watching how this all came together like um for instance again speaking through the lens of darth vader like creating a villain the red lenses of darth vader <laughs> but um Gosh, sorry. <laughs> what was I saying? I'm sorry. My brain is about as wild as my uh, setting at the moment. Oh, we're in the <laughs> middle of moving. But um, 
Oh, creating a villain of that scale that is so uniquely him um, and so distinct. Um, like, you know, George Lucas had this this vision and it was very unlike the Darth Vader that we see there um, and that we know today. And he had this vision of him like very small and rat-like um, at first. And then he was like, oh, actually, no, he is seven feet tall. And then Ralph McQuarrie was like, well, how does he breathe if he's going to walk onto this ship in your first part of your script? And he was like, well, maybe he has on a mask. And then all of a sudden, you know, George Lucas has to write his first intro for Darth Vader because then Ralph McQuarrie was like, oh, yeah, he's really s- short and, and rat-like. And then George Lucas was like, no, 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 he's got, he's, he's seven feet tall, you know? And so it's just interesting to see how a character can be developed just by talking about it with others and like collaborating on it with others. Um, And that's just, you know, one tiny example, but it was definitely not created in a vacuum, even taking its inspiration from, you know, Japanese films. Um, But, and the costuming inspiration and just the lore inspiration, there's just so much of our world inside of uh, this built environment as well um something that also stands out to me about a new hope as far as i again i don't know if you're gonna get tired of me talking about darth vader but you might so um (laughs) i was i was listening to a panel at a comic-con a while back and they were talking about like the anatomy of a villain creating a villain and just the idea of like there are the villain archetypes. Like there's the natural disaster villain and that's like the tornado and twister, like the jaws in, in, um, or that's not right. Uh, like the, like an earthquake of, of a variety and how you navigate that antagonistic energy. And then there is like the beast and that's like jaws. Like there is no emotion or humanity to that. And I think that they really do a great job of, giving us Darth Vader um, and giving us a villain that we can't quite put our fingers on. We don't know if he is the criminal. We don't know if he is the mastermind. We don't know if he is the beast with like a faceless Mm. creature. And so I think um, those gaps giving, um, giving like the gaps in Star Wars is what's really beautiful and like the the things that we had to fill in and so the swelling music as he walks across the the white hallway and um we just get we they build um anticipation and i'm sure i'm gonna go listen to xanthi's podcast and hear what they have to say about all of this and you don't need to hear what i have to say about music building anticipation but i think a new hope does such a yeah, wonderful job about that <laughs> i have no education on this but um i i just think it's really remarkable um how like we like sound and music and lights build our, build our characters for us um but yeah Sorry, I rambled a bit, but that a new hope is really powerful because Darth Vader is so inhuman, um, and that that's something that's unique to I think his character in A New Hope is um, he is very inhuman. Then we hear him speak, and he's we're like, wait a second, that is, that's a human voice, and then you're like, uh, 
but is this ro- like we we are introduced to droids and like otherworldly creatures at the same exact point and we're like what does this look like is this a mask or is this his face like it's just really interesting um to see um and yeah those are those that's my big big uh a new hope <laughs> chat awesome so <laughs> there are so many things that i've I'm trying to remember even like one thing that I wanted to comment on because there's, it's so much that like, I can't, it's almost hard to see. Um, okay. One thing. Okay. Okay. So a thousand things in quick succession. I'm just kidding. Okay. So sound really establishes the world that we live in. That's part of like showing and not telling, you know, going back to the lack Mm -hmm. of you know, relative lack of exposition. It's like in the, in the dialogue, it's like these little lines and it's just little things that we hear that are not explained where you're just like, oh, I guess that thing makes that sound understood. Everything is just like a quick unspoken, like understood. So when we are first introduced to Darth Vader, we don't, we don't hear music. We hear just his breathing. Mm -hmm. And that is like this, that is the, that is the scariest shit ever. And (laughs) Like the fact that it's not even going to get, it's not even going to get music to like, you know, it, it's just his breathing. Like we're forced to immediately look him, you know, look him in the eyes or, you know, whatever we're immediately, we see him. We like, we see just him without like music to underscore what's happening and sway our emotions or whatever. So that's one thing. Another thing is that like Ben Burt originally wanted to have Darth Vader have like all these different clicking sounds and like all mm-hmm. these like sound like super mechanical in many different ways. And then, you know, he famously said it, he, he Darth Vader was starting to sound like an emergency room. So like, we just had to pare it down to just, yeah. like, <laughs> it was like too much. Yes. It was like, it's the whole damn emergency room. I've never um, heard that. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So that happened. Another thing is obviously, you know, the voices, you know, they definitely had, Something they definitely wanted James Earl Jones, like because they tried it with you know, yeah. It with but anyway, Prowse. I'm not here to like just say behind the scenes stuff. But like also, I think it's just really crucial and something that makes Star Wars unique is, and, and I think is like crucial to all of these elements that we're talking about, like all these specifics and the collaboration and everything, is that it is not an adaptation. Star Wars mm-hmm. is. That's what it is. So like in building all these characters, you know, whether deciding if it's like this tiny thing or like this seven foot tall person, like these are things that it's not like they have to stay true to a source material or or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, This was written to be played out, not in real life, but on screen. So the thought (laughs) process of having to think things through more in a more 3D and in a more like real way, like to actually reckon with like, what are the okay, what are they going to be the mechanics of like how C-3PO walks or like what are going to be like, you know, mm-hmm. it forces you to, to confront so many other things. And if you think of how collaborative film is with all the different departments to establish, you know, reality in different ways versus, you know, and I say this as an artist and a writer myself, like it's different when you're just writing book. I mean, yeah. writing book is very difficult. I'm not, don't want to downplay that at all, but like it, you're thinking on different you're thinking on different scales and even when you do try to like and even when you do flesh out details of the world it is not the same as like and we have to design it so we have to make it so we have to figure out how many holes it has so we also have to figure out how they hold it so we also have to figure out how heavy it is so we also have to figure out what sound to create because depending on how heavy it is it'll make a different sound when you drop it like there are 
it, it just, it, it's, um, it's like exponentially more levels and layers of having to put together this world. And I think that is like a crucial thing about Star Wars and, and any, like anytime I hear Star Wars being compared to something that is an adaptation, I'm immediately like, this isn't even a fair, mm-hmm. this isn't, we're not talking about the same thing. This is not Lord yeah. of the Rings. This is not Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. This is not Marvel. This is not Lord, Game of Thrones. This is not Dune. It's a completely, it's, it's different. It started as a film. The book. Yeah. Adaptation. Yeah. That's a good That's point. A great point. Well, in talking about the, the weight of it and things like that, like, you know, even what was like, um, Mark Hamill talked about the lightsabers, right? Where he wanted to like use one hand and like do all these special like uh, things. And, and George was like, no, 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 it's, it's, you have to hold it with two because it's supposed to be heavy. He was like, oh, but that's not how it was. You know what I'm saying? So you, the, the fact that you, you bring up a good point, like all those things go into account of how, you know, how you design and how you fight and everything. So it's, that's not established in anywhere. Like, like you said, and then it, that's why I've been, I was saying too, this is a blueprint. Like this is exactly how you want to do it for film because it's all visual, all the visual cues. And also like the, the music cues, like you said, like the fact that there's no, they let Darth Vader, Vader breathe for a few seconds. And then you've had the, the music right after that to haunt, mm-hmm. you know, the, they're trying to build up or whatever it's. And I feel like every movie, especially, I think the first one's music is, is good. It's iconic of course, but I think to me, like the, I always thought the Empire Strikes Back music is really just where it, like, it just blows everything out of the water as far as sound goes. Um, that again, just for themes and, and whatnot. But yeah, like I totally agree. Like I think that all those things that you know, George, George is such a you know, always already having made like two films, Eleven Thirty Eight, American Graffiti. He kind of already knew what his strengths or what the strengths and weaknesses of film were, and knew exactly where I think as a visual learner he or in visual person he was that he knew where to go with the movie and, and then you know to, to attack certain things like okay i need to have visual you know saying this and this and that because he grew up reading comic books he grew up going to like you know to the tv you know to the TV, watching tv but going to the the saturday serials and seeing those things and he knew where to how to go and it, it and knew the limitations of what he would, he would be at and also what, you know, what he needed to push because that's why he created ILM. So he, he knew he has, in order to get where he, what he wanted, he had to figure it out. And so it's, it really is insane to think about how he had all these visions and he knew what he knew what he needed to do and he knew it could be, it could be done, but he had to find the right people. And that's just, that's insane to think about. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's like, I can't even fathom doing that. It's like, you know, and in your like your early 30s and you 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 had some success you know he basically had american graffiti made like that was like a hit movie and then he, people were like oh okay cool like you can make movies now even though we all didn't like 1138 and then he's like okay well i got to figure out i got to figure out how to make this movie so i'll create two companies <laughs> okay it's just it's insane it's it's what i don't think people realize in my opinion like like what lucas did back in the day like he, i mean there's a reason why he didn't direct those movies afterwards right i mean the dude was it's bonkers but yeah it's the visual language is or is so incredible in star wars it's 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 insane yeah i mean he he truly was a film engineer like he you didn't mm-hmm. only make the thing you have to create the, the tools to make the thing which means you have to source the material to create the tools to make the thing which is just crazy but yeah let's go ahead and jump into um into uh empire and but basically I, i'm kind of uh with with the podcast i'm kind of you know taking it back from the from the beginning. So we're jumping in, we're doing episodes on each trilogy and then we're going to dive deep into each movies as the subsequent weeks happen. Um 
so so we're hitting them a little a little quick today. But um, Empire Strikes Back, my all time favorite. Uh, Paul, you were talking about how the musical themes, like in in this one, and um, and but by the way, Xanthi, I'll come back on your podcast anytime. But yeah. if at all possible, uh, my my favorite musical thing ever in Star Wars is the asteroid belt theme. Um, it just like. It it just it gives me chills and and then it it's, it's just it's wonderful it's it's the best yes the excellent <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah how, how do you guys feel uh, what what jumps out at you on uh, on this film and how it how it continued the legacy okay I'll I'll start oh go ahead Santhi go ahead I was just gonna say the music is like very very groundbreaking in many in many in many ways. Um, yeah, that's that's what I'll say. Also, I, I listen to the end credits. It's like a fan. It's the end credit suite is just mm-hmm. is wild. It's also like I don't think any of these are like perfect by any means. Um, it is interesting how things that were fleshed out, or you know, since John Williams knew didn't know right writing Star Wars that that this was going to be like a trilogy, let alone more. <laughs> um, it's not like he wrote all of these themes as like these airtight, like, I don't know, hermetically sealed themes to be the themes for the next several decades. He's just like writing a movie. And, and seriously, like the themes, like he, he was thinking about themes, you know, in terms of like leitmotifs, sort of a la like Richard Wagner um, in his operas. And, but he didn't always like get it Right, because he didn't always know where the character was going to go, you know, in the trilogy. He, like, he didn't know the story, right? So, like, things like writing Leia's theme in the in A New Hope, he wrote it as a love theme for Leia and Luke. That's why it sounds all romantic. <laughs> and when he found out that that wasn't going to happen, he then had to write new themes for the different relationships that Leia had with, you know, the different people. And And, and so Empire Strikes Back is, like, a really interesting space to both hear new themes and also just like hear how the ones established in a new hope get maybe crystallized or like used in a, in a new way or like, you know, in a different way. It's like, he's finding his, his footing. Awesome. I love it. And uh, what were you going to say, Victoria? Oh, I was going to mention, um, this is the original sequel to star Wars. And so just like, um, would, our uh, track record would suggest there were a lot of people that did not like this. They did not like it at all. Um, In a lot of reviews, they were really upset with how different it felt from A New Hope. They were upset with um, the darkness of Empire Strikes Back. And so it's interesting to see how um, there was like awesome reactions to this film, but there was a lot of people that did not think that this was true Star Wars. And and it's really interesting to see that dynamism. And like Santhi was saying, they were, they were mentioning how dynamic um, the story of Star Wars and was the music. Um, But I'm not the same artist I was six months ago, a month ago even. And so it's really beautiful how Star Wars has the room for the artists working on it to be dynamic artists and grow with the material itself. Um, Something that I personally love about Empire Strikes Back that wasn't, you know, completely 100% received by a lot of people was that a lot of the action, like, yes, we get these really exciting, we get the duel on Bespin, 
But most of the action in this film was emotional action um, and character action. And so I thought that that was something just uh, really that resonated with me and makes it my favorite Star Wars film. But speaking of Bespin, you know I got to talk about it. But uh, there's just so much beauty and poetry in that duel beyond just like the I am your father line we see so much visual symbolism in like the 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 dark blue um the the way that George Lucas described Darth Vader um in, in his in his first like character study was that he uh, appeared on the wind um and I'm paraphrasing of course but he was he was very uh almost ethereal in that in that way and so I thought it was really beautiful how they were true to that. Like he was conjured in the duel on Bespin. You you hear the force is strong with you, young Skywalker, or the force is with you, young Skywalker, but you are not a Jedi yet. We hear his voice conjured. We see him coming through the mist of this like blue cloud city. Um, and I think, you know, clouds as a motif for um, um, blindness. Uh, and that's something that Luke struggles with is is like the um i'm sorry i'm getting distracted by chat so i'm going to move it over so it's something <laughs> luke struggles with and in his training with yoda and uh seeing clearly and so we're introduced to the power of the dark side here in a cloudy space and so i think that that's like such an interesting um, thing with like contrasting like the light side of the force being one of clarity um and peace that the peacefulness being clarity and then the dark side is one of cloudiness one of uh confusion of misunderstanding and um I, the temptation that luke faces on bespin is really you know shown in that um but bridges uh just bridges in general as you know a, a beautiful metaphor for conversation and connection but bridges also as a, a place of change and we see in the duel on bespin a really interesting um space where they're moving across a bridge in instead of it being left to right we see a, like a right to left situation which is almost moving backwards or or i'm sorry we are moving left to right but darth vader is the one moving left to right our protagonist is moving in like is moving backwards and so we we see like a really interesting thought here because just as important as i am your father was for luke it was all the more powerful for Darth Vader because one, it makes him a human person or a, like capable of like having a son and like a, a like a, a personage that is beyond the machine, and it connects him to an identity of Anakin Skywalker, which is like him admitting, "I am your father." Darth Vader is not his father; Anakin is his father, and it's really interesting. Right after that duel on Bespin when Luke has denied him um, and the existence of him and like, no, I completely don't accept this. When Luke is like conked out uh, and like Darth Vader reaches out through the force. And the first thing Luke rises from the little moment and says, father. And immediately he says, son. And so there's just something really powerful about that because it's, uh, it's our first semblance of, 
is this a is this a like a, a a redemption or something like this person this villain that was larger than life what does this look like because even um that the the idea of like villain and humanity and like why um is is just a really interesting conversation that they began to unpack in empire strikes back um we hear a lot about the dark side or a little bit more about the dark side here um and we hear if you only knew the like power of the dark side we hear the this start to build um and that emotional energy is really powerful and we start to see more scope the scope of the empire we were still a little unclear about in a new hope and in empire strikes back the scope of the empire is just like magnificent (laughs) um and i mean you know how i feel about kendall ozzel some of you, I haven't been around Star Wars in a while, but some of you guys know how I feel about Kendall Ozzel. But uh, yeah, he he gets his his uh, stuff handed to him when he tries to mansplain to Darth Vader. I mean, woof, you will get your stuff handed. <laughs> you gotta you gotta pick your battles, you know. You gotta pick your battles. Yeah. That's, Uncharted that's not- settlements, you know. Gosh, <laughs> that's not who I would try to mansplain to. That's for sure. But um, yeah, I think uh, Empire Strikes Back is just such a remarkable film, and you know, we could we could unpack this for hours and hours and hours. But I think just there's so much poetry in this film. Um, but my favorite scene out of this entire thing would be the duel on Bespin, as I've already yeah. spoken on. <laughs> No, I, I, absolutely. Um, it's one of the things that really hits me in this film is because I'm a big uh, lore guy. If if you follow mm-hmm. me, although no, I think no, I haven't man. made lore videos in a while. <laughs> but um, I yeah, I'm a huge lore fan. And originally, uh, George didn't really think the Force was going to play like a big part. <laughs> you know, he was yeah. Um, and. But this this movie really upped the ante, and we we got to dive into that because it just captured everyone's imaginations. And uh, of course, you know, I always say that Star Wars is best when it when it gets weird, and you you have you have you know you have your protagonist in a swamp with a droid that's on wheels, and he's trying to be inside of a little mud hut, like eating soup made by a little gremlin dude. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. it's a weird scene. That's my favorite you, part. But when, when you think about it, like um, in terms of it, like you had, you had Star Wars come out. And at that point, Star Wars was still a movie. Like it wasn't its own thing. You know what I mean? It's own franchise. And this, I feel like is what cemented like, yes, this is what movies do. This is what we're gonna do. <laughs> we're not concerned mm-hmm. about that. We're gonna do this, you know. I don't. Uh, how about you guys? Um, I definitely agree with how much it kind of expanded the scope of the force from like a new hope, where it was kind of like up close magic of just like these aren't the droids you're looking for, to kind of like an all encompassing of the universe, like untouchable entity that like binds all the things together, like we know it is today. And like, you know, the fact that they can hear and communicate like across space, um, it definitely like changes what the force was. Like, it's hard to like imagine seeing that for the first time because like I can't put myself in that like mindset, like, like erase everything I know about the force to see it the way it was then. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely interesting to think like how limited it was really when you think about it in the first movie um, and how much like it's changed obviously with subsequent movies since. Um, speaking about like the, the, the duel on Bespin, like I definitely think it's definitely a big change from like the big space battle that ends A New Hope. It's a lot more intimate, um, a lot more emotional and the stakes, even though it's just two people fighting seem a lot higher um, than, you know, because the, the Death Star, like, we never got to see, I think, like, like you know, it's a giant space station, but you don't see a lot of it from the inside. So it's hard to understand, like, how many lives were at stake and, like, how much it really, like, what the weight of its, like, you know, destruction was. Um, but, like, Luke and Vader fighting for, for, for like, the, the soul of each other, essentially, um, was definitely, like, a big change and a lot more, like, I think, emotional in, in its effect than, than A New Hope's ending was. Yeah, absolutely. And especially how claustrophobic the fight gets. Starts out on the mm-hmm. big platform and then it gets mm-hmm. like smaller and then smaller and then yep. smaller. Um, and then uh, Vader's reaction when because Luke is just like, all right, deuces, I'm out. <laughs> goes, oh. Something I cannot unsee. You know, I told you Digital Investment is my favorite. Something I can't unsee is that if you watch his helmet, it's like blowing in the wind. <laughs> Because they had to have a different helmet for action. And so his oh, hair is ball. like blowing in the wind. <laughs> when he's funny. like doing this, how I go, if you only knew that hair blowing in the wind. And then uh, Element 7 made a video on it recently. But like for years, I, I just couldn't unsee that when Luke jumps down off of the platform, you see him pop back up <laughs> right, before the, <laughs> right before the scene changes. Like this head and shoulders, like there's a little trampoline down there. And he's just like, hello. Um, how about you, Paul? What jumps out of you in the Empire? Well, I, you know, to, to echo everybody, everyone's bringing up great points. Uh, I think the the Bespin, um, the, the Bespin, I think uh, fight scene, lighter duel is is the best duel in Star Wars, bar none. And I think it's not because it's the most you know elegant, if you will, or you know, or, or amazing, you know, you know, because there's. You can always have those. You can always have like a really technical, rad-looking fight. The thing about the the Besman uh, fight scene is that it's an emotional fight, and I think that to me is why it has weight. It's not. It, it's it's got it's got so much weight to it because it's not just you know the galaxy. You know, Luke represents the galaxy. Luke represents himself as a son at this point, um, and he doesn't know it yet. And 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 for Vader, he does. And so when you when you first watch it, you're just kind of like, again, I, I don't remember the first time I ever watched it, but I can imagine people who are first watching it saying, you know, this is kind of, you know, Luke's getting his his A rung a little bit. Like, what's going on here? And then you, as you learn it and it unfolds, you're like, oh, God. And so when you rewatch it, again, what makes Star Wars so amazing and all the rewatchability it has, you watch that scene differently. So I've only watched mm-hmm. that scene basically as – a, a fan of you know a fan of the movie but it always it, i'm sucked in every single time because luke and vader they're going at it and luke is just he's getting just destroyed and he's and he's getting more and more angry and vader is just like you know he's not getting angry yet he gets pissed off one time and it's when he gets jammed in the shoulder and he's like wait a minute you just hit me like that's what it feels like he's, he's, the whole time he's like Wait, he's like, you know, it's he changes for a second, like he almost loses it for a second, and that's when Luke really gets his 
his arm chopped off, right? So the whole battle is such an emotional thing. And one of the things I, I remember when uh, the prequels came out, and I love the prequels, you know, full disclosure, um, a lot of people, you know, said like, well, it's not like the original trilogy or whatever. And I remember Lucas talked about um, having, you know, a little bit more dialogue in the fight scenes. And obviously in, in, in the Qui-Gon uh, and Obi-Wan and Darth Maul fight, it's just all just, it's just, it's not vexing and that's cool and i love that stuff but what and they, they try to give more dialogue to dooku and, and hayden and it's cool i like that stuff but it doesn't have the impact because that meeting between vader and lucas you're waiting for it for one film right and also they represent like good and evil and and evil's winning and that's the one thing that i think empire that I, I'll, I'll add to this that i think that like i was kind of as a kid and as an adult now that I've, I've had to kind of realize, and I think you kind of take these uh, as you go, but and as you live life, you know that sometimes you're not going to win. Sometimes the good guys aren't going to win. You're going to lose. And it's so really the Empire Strikes Back represents so much. I mean, I could talk for eons about the movie, but I think if you at its core for me, as in the simplest way, I would say it represents to me that failure is going to happen even the people that you care about and love but it's not about it's not about what happens in that failure it's about again how what happens afterwards that hopeful end that we have that you know lando and chewie are going off to to save han like someone they thought betrayed them is actually joining them now and, and wearing the same clothes it's very weird um but <laughs> at, but you know at the same time everyone's you know luke's got his hand ripped off but he's got a new one and he's like you know what we're gonna we're going to get our friend back. There's that, there's that sense of like, we're going to do this still, even though it's, it's kind of bummed. We, we've got our A's wrong a little bit. So I, I just think that the empire strikes back represents that, that idea as, and again, one thing I think it's get, gets lost, even in the current state of star Wars. And then again, I'm not a basher, a basher of Disney star Wars by any means. I love, I love pretty much most of it. Um, the thing is that I think one thing that I think Lucas has in, in spades and a lot of people kind of lose track of, whether it be the books, movies, comics, whatever, is that these are morality tales. I mean, this is like fairy tales. And, and Star Wars is supposed to be teaching kids, you know, you know, morality and, 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 and things like that. And like things about what's good and evil and what's right and wrong. And, and, and I think The Empire Strikes Back represents that idea of that, you know, failure will happen. But it's it's not the it's not the end. It's just it doesn't mean it doesn't mean it's the end. It just means that it will happen. It's and you have to kind of learn from it, learn from your mistakes. So, there's, I mean, I I just love that aspect of it, and I think that uh, Lucas just knew, even though he didn't write the movie, he obviously had his hand in, in the uh, in the save everything very very much so. But but yeah, that to me was always a really important part of the movie. And and the last thing about the force, and I thought was really interesting is you know if you read like the early drafts of the, of the movie, you know, they were going to have like the force be obtained by like, you know, the Kyber crystal, you know, that was going to be even before splinter of them or uh, after the splinter of the mind's eye, they're going to have like a lightsaber kind of have like, you know, basically explain everything through uh, his lightsaber and Yoda was going to have, it's crazy. It, it's the, the force is so has been evolved so much, you know, and that's mm -hmm. the thing with George is so cool is that, he never was like, oh, this, this is the way I thought once and it's going to be like that forever. He was always constantly changing and, and, and going, let's do this, you know, trying to do better. So um, the Force is, yeah, I, I do love the fact the Force gets kind of evolved in this movie, but it's it's weird to think of what it could have been. I'm so glad they went the route they did, to be, to be fair. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think that I love this movie to death. 
Yeah. Um, awesome. I, I, I love it. Um, I, I appreciate all, all the thoughts. Uh, I have Rana with a book says, does anyone remember their reaction to hearing uh, Vader say, I'm your father? I have no recollection. I've just, I've, I just, it's just always been part of me. Does anyone have any like remarkable experience with it? No. no <laughs> I remember. I just always knew that it, that was the case and that that was a line. I mean, yeah. I had a, an interesting, um, I don't know if Rhonda, you were here when we were speaking on how we got introduced to the original trilogy, but I watched episode four first, then one, two, three, and then five. And so watching five, I was rooting for Darth Vader because <laughs> I wanted his, I want not like as a villain, but as a human being. Um, like I, I wanted things to be better. And so I was like, remember who you are kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was, it was a, it was a, I think that's why I have such a, like a visceral reaction to that line because as much as he is saying, I like, as much as he, it, this changes Luke's identity, it changes his more, um, and I, I just always was like, this is a really big moment of humanity for him. And then, like, um, even more powerful than that is the the way that they speak through the Force later as father, son. And they address each other with those names. I, I think that's, that's just, like, mind-blowing. Um, so, I guess, like, because I had watched it wanting, like, knowing that Darth Vader was Anakin Skywalker, the bridge of those characters converged at that moment for me. And so it was really powerful. That's cool. Uh, I, I love it. When um, My only question would be, like, when the movie first came out, I wasn't alive. Um, did people think, like, he might have been lying? Like, did people just, like, yeah. believe it? Mm -hmm. Okay. I, it, there's, it was really interesting because if you hear a lot of people I've talked to and a lot of people um, like even Lucas was really concerned about doing that reveal because he was concerned. And this is why I love Lucas. He's just, he's just, he's a, he's a G man. He, he just is like, I want to <laughs> figure things out and like, I want to make sure I do things right. And it doesn't think like a corporate person at all, which I love. Right. Because cor corporate people would be like, that's a good idea. Just run with it because it makes money. You know, George, mm -hmm. he went to an actual like, like psychiatrist or psychologist or something like that and actually asked them and analyzed like what would kids do if they found out that this would happen? And he wanted, he wanted to make sure it was, was going to cause mass hysteria because he knows even, you know, <laughs> he knew like Darth Vader being was like, I, an iconic looking character. He was iconic at that point already. Right. So mm -hmm. he asked the, the psychologist or psych, I think it was a psychologist and the psychologist said they, they were just, oh, he's lying. That's the first thing. They, oh, he's lying. And, and that's something that a lot of kids, a lot of people from that, that era who watched it for the first time, I, at least I would heard, had said people thought they were lying. Yeah, see, exactly. So I think that that's very – and it's a natural thing, right? I mean, people are going to deny it. I mean, that's what that's what Luke does, right? He's like, that's not true. That's impossible. You know. And so I think it's a natural thing. Like, oh, no, that can't be true. He's lying. He's a, he's a bad guy, right? How would the bad guys lie? Well, my good friend Justin Bolger – you know you're out there, buddy. I don't know, I mean, I don't know if he's listening. But uh, Justin Bolger will always tell me he loves the Sith. Because they they just tell the truth. They they corrupt, they don't corrupt, they corrupt the truth, but they tell the truth, right? They never lie. They always tell you the truth. And that's the thing about that's so crazy about Darth Vader is he's only telling Luke the truth. I am your father. 
Like I am like the, the emperor is seeing you destroying me. Like these are all things that are true. They're not untrue. And everyone, by that point, you know, everyone and even the you seventies know, and even now would all assume that the bad guys are always lying. They're always doing evil. Well, that's, that's not the Sith. And that's a genius thing of, of George as well. It's like, he's, he's telling the truth. So, but yeah, most people thought he was lying. A lot of people thought that they, there was a, you know, there's no way it's just, he's just trying to get to him. But yeah. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I mean, moving into to Return of the Jedi, that's the whole reason why you brought Yoda back is to to confirm that and have that um, amazingly awkward conversation where Yoda was like, you know what, I'm just gonna die. He's like, is is he my father? And Yoda's like, I love Dagobah oh, so much. I'm so tired, man. I gotta, hmm, I got an early, I got a meeting. Um, you can, yeah, like, put on his Miss Piggy hat. <laughs> I gotta go talk to Qui Gon and Obi Wan, so like I'm out. Real world is over. <laughs> to, to me, I, I love it because it's an awkward scene on par with what must have been happening behind closed doors before uh, in Empire when he's at the table with Boba Fett, and like I just imagine like, all right, dude, you go hide, and when they come in, I'm gonna stand up, and it's gonna be so cool. Like <laughs> we have all these plates. And so, I don't know. I just, I love thinking about those awkward moments, but. Um, yeah, jumping into Re- Return of the Jedi, uh, which is cool because it's like this is the area that we're in with the Star Wars run of the comics right now is kind of getting this in between. But I always laugh when they're like, "Like, what is your plan, Luke? Like, I'm gonna get captured. You get captured. We're gonna bring him Chewbacca. We're gonna send him <laughs> the droids. I won't have a lightsaber. And then before he kills us all." I'm gonna do a front flip. It's gonna be it's gonna be sick. <laughs> that is such a Luke Skywalker thing. Such a Luke Skywalker thing. I love that. And we hear the new lightsaber sound, which is snappier. It's a yeah, it's a good one. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. What jumps out are you guys with uh with this one? Okay, so I've been holding off on my Darth Vader thoughts because you know how I feel about Darth Vader. Um so I know, I know, I know. It's just, I'm like, I get choked up because I, it's too much to express. Um, so Darth Vader is my favorite character. And um, I feel like knowing already that, like knowing how Return of the Jedi ended and watching, I mean, I, I probably am in a similar position. It sounds because you already knew like Anakin's, you know, that, Darth Vader was Anakin or, you know, whatever. I I already knew that like he was, he was good. Like I always knew Darth Vader was good inside. Like, and so that's how I always watched Star Wars. And, um, that's why my cat's name is Anakin. And it's, it's so, um, Return of the Jedi is like, that ending is so, um, I love it for Darth Vader. I love it for Anakin. (laughs) His son fought for him, you know? And, like no one had ever done before, you know? Um, You're not wrong, man. You're you're not wrong. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Like even the emperor who deceived him on a technicality, like, you know, when he was vulnerable and young and made him believe that and then basically made him his dark side slave for the rest of his life in that suit with Darth, with, you know, with Vader bound to the Emperor, we know from an, we we know in the ways that he talks about politics. We know it from the Clone Wars. We know it from the prequels, and we know it from 
even Darth Vader as Darth Vader in the original trilogy, he is not like a political guy. He doesn't like super care about he he like not to the degree of like like he's on he's playing for this team because he has to because because that's just the side he's on because that's just who he's bound to. He doesn't super care about like all of the details. Like I think he would you know, but the suit is keeping him alive. I think I think um and at the end when he sacrifices himself too like he he holds out for his son like they they're like saving each other at the end and it's so like it's so beautiful and like i i see darth vader's suit as like definitely a physical manifestation of like the ways that he is bound to the emperor to palpatine and like on a technical level just knowing about the fact that he couldn't survive without the suit and knowing how the suit you know how uncomfortable it was to wear the suit and how like just like that suit sucks you know it sucks to be stuck in that suit and to rely on it it's your life support it sucks to be in that position and the emperor who saved you know palpatine who saved him um in revenge of the sith and then you know medically got him to just be a living shard you know, for a while and with no joy, you know, I, I stay up at night, like thinking about if Vader had any sort of joy in his life, <laughs> it's, you know, it's like very, um, and here it's like, he knows that he can't survive without the suit, which is made by the emperor and the emperor's people and that he can't really survive without that, but his, but he, he gives that up, you know, he, he give he cuts off his own source of survival basically um to save his son too it's like i don't know it's just it's so beautiful it, and at the very end we see joy on his face when he sees his son and that's yeah. I, I i never really considered it quite like that because I, I don't know but like what other joy could he possibly have you know what i mean like i guess maybe he can play old movies on, on, on uh you know mass but uh like it's not like he can go play basketball or something with the, with the friends it's not like he's going on dates you know he can't even eat a cheeseburger and get joy from that but seeing his son make the decision that he should have because there's a lot of mirroring between um you know Anakin, when he cuts off um, uh, Mace Windu's hand, there's a lot of mirroring in that scene. And when Vader, you know, tosses uh, tosses palps like a like a bag of trash, um, to to see his son make the right decision, I'm sure that like, yeah, I, I love like it. The it's force was definitely part of that because just to think of someone who's walking in that much denial, like it really, you know, psychologically speaking, it is really hard when you have, when you won't allow, you know, you know, we know from like the Thrawn books, like he doesn't even like, don't even reference Anakin. Like don't even do, you do not, we are not like he died. Like he doesn't want to talk. He doesn't want to think about the past. Like he is so in such a state of like, just trying to stay with it. You know, he can't let himself feel it too much or it's just going to be unbearable. And here, like to get to the point where he is like doing this amazing deed, like um, he would have had to feel this flood of, I mean, I like shudder to think about like, you know, 
what it would feel like to suddenly let all that stuff in after not letting it in for so long. Like it must be extremely overwhelming. That's beautiful. Yeah. So the, you mentioned about don't even reference him and letting all of this in. It's like um, something that was super intense for me was when they're having that conversation on the bridge and you know he's he says like i know you're once anakin skywalker and darth vader says i that name no longer has any meaning for me um and i made a video about this on tiktok a while back but that is just so telling um i think that's just one of the most telling lines in that character because when we are introduced to him as anakin in episode one Padme asks, are you a slave? And he says, no, I'm a person and my name is Anakin. And so he's holding on to that name as something that gives him identity, personage, agency. Um, and in his like captivity on Tatooine, he had more freedom and personage and agency and hope for some to be more, to be something better. He had his eyes on the skies. He wanted to be a pilot. And so seeing that like Anakin was a name of possibility and you know, Shmi would have been a great parent. Yeah. Shmi would have been a great parent. Mm. Yes. Cause yeah. I, I was feel like, that's also Shmi how she raised him. Yes. Like you can be more, you are more. And, um, when he says that name no longer has any meaning for me, I mean, he is completely devoid of agency of identity of personage. And it, it's like, yeah, like, oh gosh, no joy. Absolutely no joy. Um, and so that's like a really powerful moment um, on that note. But I didn't yeah. want to. It's also the, the price of power. You know, he's, yeah. he is the second, the right hand man to the most powerful person in the, like the history of the galaxy. And uh, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. High price to power. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Something that like also stood out to me um, when Santhi was speaking was um, just the idea of like um, the suit and captivity. And, you know, that, that's something that's like very, very uh, heavily hit on in the comics a lot. Um, just the depths of that captivity um, and just how like twins and the like the number two is very powerful in Star Wars. And we see him live his life um, uh, as Anakin Skywalker as 20, in 22 years. Um, and then he's in his suit for 23 um approximately and so it's just like sad i don't know to me that's kind of telling um just that that extra slice of tragedy but when he says let me look on you with my own eyes um giving up the suit but also like he sees him through the eyes of anakin skywalker not the eyes of darth vader not the Aww. not the mask and I guess like that also brought me to like a lot of people when I used to make a lot of Darth Vader content, one of the things we're like, they would always say is like, well, why didn't he know that Leia was his daughter? And it's like, because he wasn't looking through those eyes, you know, it's like, he's not looking through the eyes. Like any of, paternity test everyone. in the Yeah, like absolutely not. But also it's like, he didn't even recognize Luke until, you know, he, re he reached out through the force um, and it, it's, it's interesting, like, obviously that's not even how he figured out Luke was his child, but 
Um, and that's important to note, but it's like, I don't know, looking on you with your, his own eyes. I think that's just something magnificent, uh, that, that there's so much poetry in everything he says. And then, um, seeing the mirror image that is flipped, you don't know the power of the dark side. I must obey my master. That is one of the saddest lines. Um, and there's so much just like parallelism in, if you only knew the power of the dark side, and then you don't know because it's, it's scary. And, um, then as you know, just, it's really, it's terrifying. And, um, the, the captivity that he's under in that dark side and like how, you know, the dark side and cloudiness. And, you know, we, we get a lot more of that in, um, like just even his, his lair on Mustafar. I know that we're talking about beyond the original trilogy now, but like, there's just so much cloudiness in his story that uh, gets cleared up with that line. Um, Cause like, you know, Mustafar and like the, there's like those chemicals that the lake re- mm-hmm. secretes that makes you hallucinate in one of the comics. They mention it. I don't remember, mm-hmm. but um just even the nature of the dark side and the planet is, is just so clouded. And, and then we, yeah. And a shroud of darkness. And so seeing him in that moment of clarity, let me look on you with my own eyes. It's just magnificent. Um, yep. Devastating. It's so funny. I was in the little waiting room right before this and uh, Chaco was like, I cannot wait for you to talk to Xanthi. You are Chaco, going to is this who you love were when you were talking about Darth Vader when <laughs> you visited Chaco? Is this who you were like, have you met some some person's name? And I was like, no. And you were like I, 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 I thought I just I just I this, see your plan. <laughs> the the organic meeting. This is this is Chaco this is fate. Yeah. now there's two people that can bring me to tears. Fun. Oh, I love it. I love it. Insane. Oh, I, I'm, oh, I'm I'm going to shut up after this. And then this is all I'm going to say about Return of the Jedi. This is it. No, the, no, no. These Don't are my stop. last two points. So I have no. one point. One being that uh, one being that when he blocks Luke's lightsaber from hitting Palpatine, you know, initially we're watching that and we think, oh, like he's still full of darkness, right? But then we get a little more insight on what that might have meant uh, as we get the sequel trilogy. And I, I like the, the strike me down proposition. I think that mm-hmm. there's just so much uh, meat in that. And you can see like Darth Vader's redemption was not a light switch. And I think a lot of times it's portrayed to be in, in like that one moment he was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this right thing. No, he was like struggling He's yeah. been struggling this whole time. The whole trilogy. You know, I th- in the whole trilogy, I think we already see Darth. Like I've never seen Darth Vader as a villain. I can't. He's not scary. He's never been scary yes. to me. And I am. I tweeted about this several times. Like genuine. Like just asking people. Like does anyone actually find? Did anyone ever find Darth Vader scary? Or is it just me? No. He's always just been conflicted. Like yes. <laughs> He has uh, been mis. Oh, yes, he's just always been conflicted, and so I'm um, seeing that, and then seeing the meat that was added to it in the sequel trilogy is just remarkable. And I think like anyone that is a huge Vader fan that was like, "Oh yeah, I don't know how I feel about Palpatine's contingency. It ruins his arc." I would encourage you to consider the, how much it 
actually does the opposite because Darth Vader didn't yeet Palpatine to save anyone. It was not a hero's journey. It's never been a hero's journey for Anakin and Darth Vader. It was a journey of just love. And so like, that's why he's so powerful to me is like, it wasn't about him defeating anything. It wasn't about him like um, setting balance to the force. Yeah. It was like fine for that to be a, you know, effect but ultimately it was about love and like when he looks at Padme on Musfar and says love can't save you Padme but love saved him and like he's gonna do he's going to express love to try and save his son it was never about the big picture for Anakin and Darth Vader it was always like you said he was not political he just wanted to love and be loved and there's something so powerful about that and he is us in a lot of ways Luke is larger than life and I think that's amazing like I've never related to Luke I relate to I haven't either yes and so it's like because he fails he fears and like that's a hero's journey that I can get behind because I fail I fear and I as someone with like a hugely tender heart and like full of just like I can't wield a lightsaber but I can love people super powerfully and I can like rise from my darkness to reach out to someone and like there's just something so powerful in Anakin and Darth Vader's story in that in that um in that way um but yeah there's just so much power like he is supposed to be this vision of of power and the height of it was expressing love. And I, I, there's just something so amazing about that. And um, I had two things to say, and that was one of them. The second <laughs> one, what was the other one? Well, we uh, can also come back if you're having trouble really remembering. This so, is true. I just wanted you to like know that I was going to yeah. shut up after this. <laughs> well, <laughs> like look, guaranteed. You know, if it, if yeah, it pops it. back up for you, but yeah, um, sorry. No, just 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 kind of like what what you're saying, is, and then what I think really sets Star Wars apart is um, this notion that it was supposed to. It's written like it's going to be one of those Saturday serials where it's just the good guy and the bad guy, and the good guy beats up the bad guy and he saves the princess, and then they like fly off somewhere, and then and that's how we're introduced, and then we get a little bit more more nuance, and like mm-hmm. oh, the bad guy's not super you know that bad uh, and there's a worse bad guy there and then we get to the next level and it's not about killing the bad guy it's about accepting him um which ends up being the storyline of every anime ever where your <laughs> villain becomes your, <laughs> your friend don't but, give me um and but i think that's what made it so powerful is it wasn't about luke getting strong enough to kill vader it was about Luke being strong enough to not kill him. Courageous you know enough. What I mean? Or courage, mm-hmm. literally, the word comes from heart. Yeah. And, and and that's why I always get irritated because I always have all these comments of like, well, okay, but who would win? Prime Anakin or and you're like, it doesn't you you you've missed the point, you know? Like we're we've already derailed here if if that's the question that we're asking, you know. Um None of the fights in Star Wars make sense. Like almost, almost any none of them, of them could win at any time. Yeah. Or yeah. You know. Yeah. When I look at like, there's no reasonable reason that that Maul lost to Obi Wan. Like, 
dead to rights. I don't know how he could do a full 180. He was meant to lose. <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, uh, Paul, your your thoughts on uh, Return of the Jedi? Return of the Jedi and, and Empire Strikes Back, for that matter. I always say, people ask me what your favorite Star Wars movie is, and I say flip a coin between those two films, and it's whatever it lands on is my favorite. Um, I, But growing up as a kid who loved Muppets and, and loved Ewoks, um, this movie was was my jam, and I grew up just loving this movie so, 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 so much. And, um, you know, I it's one of those things where... Uh, you know, I I just I grew up loving this movie. I've seen this, I've seen this movie probably the most of any other film in my life, like ever. Like it's it's the movie I've seen a zillion times, and uh, it's just one of those things where I just yeah, I, I think it's perfect. I mean, I mean, Xanthi and uh, Victoria did a phenomenal job breaking down Vader and and Luke and and all that because that's that is to me what makes that movie so great. Uh, I, I think it's just it's, it's utterly brilliant, and it, it's it's funny because again, everyone credits Empire for being like the 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 philosopher uh, the philosophy and all that stuff, and, and be like, oh, it's just a, just a deep one, you know? It's the it's a deep movie, and and they're not wrong to an extent, but I felt like. You know, Return of the Jedi is like, oh, that's a that's that movie where all the teddy bears showed up, and they're kind of they kind of a lot of it seems like a lot of adults, at least older than me, seem like they kind of dismissed the movie. I, mean, I remember growing up. I'm not sure about all of you, but I was always surprised until I got on the internet that people hated Ewoks. I'm like, people hate Ewoks? What? Mm-hmm. I, I was like, mm-hmm. I was I had take, no idea either. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. weird, right? I mean, I remember I remember thinking people like they don't like to like like live is that what it is like i don't know like it's just like i don't get it like why do you hate joy yeah, yeah it's like why do you hate like pure like innocence i guess honestly it's what it feels like i mean they eat people but whatever i don't blame them and, innocent yeah yeah so it it was weird to me people like were really hard on the movie and i remember thinking steam in the suits yeah <laughs> that's a good idea i like that um but it's just it was it was crazy to me because like like everything what they what they all said before is exactly why the movie is genius now and i feel like the movie is aged so much better than even empire at this point because of the ending because the ending is so beautiful and what it means because and that's the thing about art right whether it's music film paintings whatever you can always interpret what you know Everyone interprets art differently. And that's what makes art so beautiful, right? Is we all take things out of it that are different. And everyone can, you know, because people talked about how, you know, Anakin, it was Anakin's film. And I, I agree, it's Anakin's, you know, you know, everything. But to me, it's about Luke too. I mean, facing facing the darkness, you know, everything in 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 the end, standing up for what he knew was right. And that again, as as a child, that's something that helps, you know, helps evolve my morality and things like that of, of just living. Like, oh, I even though like everyone like this bad thing is happening happening to me like i'm gonna stand up and do what's right even though that's what you know in the end that's what it, it, in the end it's, gonna, it's the right thing to do even though i mean like destroyed or, or being electrocuted alive like like luke was to you know whatever but you know when luke throws his lightsaber to me is is just one of the most powerful moments and one of the best moments in Star Wars history. I don't think anyone will be ever trumpet. It's just I think Hamill's performance is so even now underrated. When he throws out lightsaber, it's just it's perfect. It's so perfect, and I love Palpatine's response. He's like, "So be it, Jedi." Like he like dubs them like right there. It's like mm-hmm. it's so good, so good. And I yeah I, anyway. 
I've, I've talked a lot, yeah. so and I uh, love the movie. Ian McDermott's performance is just oh, so oh my god, what? just his lines. <laughs> you will pay the price for your lack of vision. I'm like <laughs> this guy, dang mm-hmm. him. <laughs> Ian Mc, he mm, anchor like wow. one of the main anchors of Star Wars. Just... It's incredible that he did it in all three trilogies. Like that's like insane. Yeah. He just aged to the right age every time. <laughs> like, oh yeah. I, well, it's crazy, like how young he was in the original trilogy compared to like yeah. now. Yeah, like, you don't know, like that. It's like he's like been the same age the whole time, essentially. Yeah, that's such why it, it aged beautiful, almost uh, as beautifully as uh, the our, our Twilight dancer. Uh, what was her name? Lena. Oh yeah. Ula. <laughs> Ula. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Bye. Damn. Uh, <laughs> oh Lord. But uh, yeah, I mean, for for me, I've, I've said it before. I think that uh, Return of the Jedi, the ending of the film, is peak Star Wars. It's when you, you have these like three simultaneous storylines happening. Um, looks like all three of them are going to fail, and then we just get that that win, and it snowballs and it snowballs. Uh, plus the whole messaging of like the underdogs, the ones that you didn't account for. Those are the ones that that rise up and, and make the difference. Uh, you never thought Ewoks would be, you know, a thing, but if you played Ewok Hunt on Battlefront Two, uh, like I have, it is horrifying. And um, uh, actually, Malik, uh, w- one of our friends, is thinking about making a uh, like a tabletop RPG campaign where all of us play as stormtroopers and we're trying to escape. Um, <laughs> um, so I don't think that'd be really fun if everyone has backstories of like trying to make it back to my wife and like you have to <laughs> please I want to be a part of this sign me up. Um, but yeah, I I, I love it. All right, uh, so I mean we're, we're already running. Uh, this this is just an amazing conversation. I, I appreciate everyone here um, for taking time out of like you know holidays are here, but I I love love talking with you guys and um, the people you know, love listening to this. So yeah, I always appreciate it. Uh, to kind of wrap things up, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll put things together at uh, all into one final little, little ball for everyone to, <laughs> to take and pass around. So I'm, I'm going to ask, you know, if you have um, any, any final thoughts um, on the conversation on the original trilogy um, that we haven't uh, we haven't hit. No one else hit, and you you want to make sure we don't uh, we don't forget. Um, if you have any expectations, because we're getting the book of Boba Fett real soon, it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. And then let us know once again who you are and where we can find your awesome content. Um, and I will go to uh, go to Victoria first. Um. Okay, I'm going to be totally honest. Expectations for Book of Boba Fett, I have zero. Um, I have not been on my Star Wars kick. Uh, This has not been my Star Wars season. So I didn't, I haven't uh, been keeping up with any news. (laughs) So um, I'm so sorry about that. (laughs) I don't have any expectations, which is good. I'm going to go into it totally, you know, uh, excited. 
I'm just excited. So, um, where any final thoughts about the original trilogy? I love these mo- movies. I, I think, like we were talking about the rewatchability a lot. Um, they hold up because they're both universal and specific. I think there's something so unique and beautiful about that. Um, you see not only like these characters, but you see all, all of it what it represents and like um like like we've been saying it's a story of love of collaboration of heart um and of family and hope and there's just so much uh to be said about that and that's why they have such a lasting power um where you can find me i'm on instagram and tiktok as it's victoria y'all i'm on twitter as victoria vader 13 but soon hopefully we'll see victoria vader 13 for now though so <laughs> i i kept expecting you to go into it's it's about drive it's about power <laughs> yeah oh no we stay hungry we devour and you put in the hours you can take what's ours awesome. <laughs> stay hungry but never thirsty <laughs> right that's right that's- how about you brian um these i agree obviously with everyone that they, these movies hold up so well i think the oh. ultimate staying power of these movies. Can you hear me? Well, we can now. You you cut out for a brief moment. But oh, okay. Back. Sorry, sorry about that. Uh, I think one of the like that the parts of the movies that holds up the most over the longest time and was changed the least in the uh, the special editions was the sound and the, and the score. Like the visuals, they've aged pretty well. George tweaked them a little bit, but the the sound design and the score is like untouchable, and you can kind of like close your eyes and you know where you are in the movie. It doesn't matter. Um, and it still sounds incredible no matter what. And it still looks good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, some of the scenes you go back, I was watching a new hope a couple weeks ago on the death star. Some of it, you're like, some of it looks a little cheesy, especially in new hope because it was the first one and the budget wasn't all there, but um, they, they still look great. Um, what else was it? Uh, Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Same. Like I don't try to like get too many things in my head and expectations to like get upset about or like fan- like I like listening to other people's theories of what happened but like I don't adopt those as my own like that's that's fine um I like to rid people later when their theories are wrong I don't give them a hard time like, <laughs> my friends get very invested especially with like some of their the stuff for Obi-Wan they've they predicted I'm like okay um I just want to see some more of the like monks that live in, in Java's palace, like the the, the, the spider droid, yeah. the brains in a jar type thing. Like, so like, can we get something like just interacting with them? I don't know. Like they're there. Uh, what else? Uh, that's that's pretty much it. I, I would just say like, I think the Return of the Jedi ultimately, like I think it is also very similar to my favorite movie, which is The Last Jedi. Like the, the parallels between the parallel storylines like looking out the window like watching your comrades like die obviously the ending's very different because it's not the same succinct like we've saved each other it's like we're fighting to save each other um ray and and ben and ultimately like they're not on the same page at the end of the last jedi but um but i think they're they're both incredible movies um where you can find me i don't really post on tiktok at brian with the beard maybe one day we'll see chaco gives me a hard enough time for long enough maybe maybe uh i am active on twitter though at, at, at ginger beard man the e's are threes though um so that's me 
and and I always have to say that your your beard is glorious. I, I love it so much. I it's wish impressive. I could rock it. It's it looks awesome. okay today. Like I took a nap before this this show, so like I kind of like rolled out of bed, but whatever. That's a that's a beard flex. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> How about you, Xanthi? Um, in summary, um, I think these hold up so well because they were driven by a person with a strong artistic vision and not a studio. Um, and like what I was saying earlier that it was a film, like I think the medium and the vision of how it started is why it's so specific and like loved. And I don't mean by fans, like the people working on it, you could tell this is not like just another like multimillion, whatever to do. It was like their pet project. It was like George Lucas's baby. And that tends to be the kind of art that I enjoy the most where it's someone's passion project, no matter how big or small it is or how weird it is or how imperfect it is. I can overlook any amount of imperfect. I would rather so many imperfections and have it be something clearly the creators really love and have spent a lot of obsessive time like getting into it. And, you know, even when the budget's not working out and all that, all that stuff. And I, I, I do cherish that because it is definitely much harder it is not like that anymore. And I never thought I would become one of those, it's not like that anymore type people. But genuinely, um, especially in the last few years with stream streaming has changed the game so much that everything is being made so much cheaper now. And also just with, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm, I get, I don't want to go on too much of a rant about that, but like, it's very special that we have this, um, this trilogy, like, it's very special that we have Star Wars, and I hope that um, we can remember the little things that made the alchemy what it was come together. Because there are some things where, like, because of the imperfect circumstances that they were under, ended up cobbling together the most, like, iconic, memorable, amazing things. And I think about this also in terms of the sound design, mm -hmm. where... A lot of those things, it was Ben Burt came up in a super lo-fi way because he was like a kid who was just like, that sounds like my projector. That sounds like, let me just sample this and that. It's not like really done like that anymore. Like there, I mean, it is uh, some in some ways, but just when things are, it's harder. It's harder uh, for something as big as Star Wars now. It has the the weight of its, um, of its you know past, its legacy, um, and I and I just don't ever want star Wars to become too perfect and like too wonder bread, you know, like yeah. I don't not, you know, I, I don't want to say that it's like becoming that or anything, but in some, it, it definitely has lost. It's definitely not, doesn't have as much of the patina as, as like the first, you know, a couple decades of stuff does. Mm -hmm. I still love mm -hmm. a lot of the content now, but a lot of it also, I'm like super safe. Very super safe. Yeah. It's it's got a lot less of the like, hey George, I was working on this like late last night. Like, yeah. check this out. Like, I came mm -hmm. up with this. Like, how how do you feel about this kind of vibe? It's more right. like everything's very planned. There's a lot and less, also like, like, oh, if this one director messes up, like we have to like find a new like it's all very like if you mm -hmm. make a misstep and everyone has a different interpretation of what cons constitutes a misstep, like yep. <laughs> you can't please everyone. And so by trying to just like 
please everyone. And by everyone, I even mean just shareholders. Cause that's a thing now. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's so much harder to just, you know, let something that might just be someone's like thesis project or whatever, like slide by. The, it, there's the stakes so many are so high. To go through and every, a yeah. little bit of the, a little bit of creativity is sifted with each check that you go through. And, um, so yeah, I, I, I hope I just, you know, I, I know that Rogue Squadron is back on now, but when it was at first announced that it was like, you know, sh- Patty Jenkins was going to be working on other projects and whatever, I was like, fine. Like, if she, you know, she, her, clearly her baby is like Wonder Woman and like that thing, like, I mean, I don't need a Rogue Squadron right now. Like, I would rather wait 10 years for a Rogue Squadron from some up and coming person who's like, my I've my whole life I've wanted to make a Rogue Squadron movie and I've wanted to do something with the Rogue Squadron character. Like I have wanted to tell this Rogue. I've had a Rogue Squadron story brimming in me for like a decade. Like that's the person mm-hmm. that I want to make any mm-hmm. name anything in Star Wars. Well, that's like the Mandalorian now, right? With John Favreau. I mean, he had this idea for many many years, and then he, you know he pitched it to uh, Kathy, and then they got him with uh, Dave, and then all of a sudden you got this. And that's one thing I've always said on my podcast too is that. I was really excited about the Mandalorian because it wasn't a contrived sit down in front of the, you know, in, in a round circle and say, Hey, let's, uh, w- what do we want to sell to the masses? Let's sell the Mandalorian. No, it was John Favreau. Go, I had this idea. I, I even wrote the script. Here you go. Like he didn't, wasn't commissioned to write it. He wrote it on his own passion. And that's the thing about, I, I love the Mandalorian so much. And, and I love, I love most of Star Wars stuff that we've gotten from Disney from films. So yeah, I, I totally echo what you're saying that it's, it's with Disney and you're a corporation. I mean, Lucasfilm was a corporation, but it was run like a small business and it, it was one person and he wasn't, he wasn't, he didn't answer to shareholders. He didn't answer to anybody. And when he sold it to Disney, you just naturally have that, have that kind of uh less creative there's more of a concise like we have to do this way you know xyz whatever it's it's hard you know and i think star wars is 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 taking is is learning from all the processes and i think that you know the man learns a great at least we can at least show us at least from a from a story standpoint and i I agree with most people too about how star wars scale is so important to it and that's the one thing with film i think is the medium is so important is that it keeps that scale of grandness where it's so big and everything. And the Mandalorian and my main, my honestly, my only criticism of it is it's small. It does feel very concise and in, in a, in a box sometimes. And again, I, I have said like a season two, it felt like we're in every, we're in a corridor, every episode, right. Which is great. It's still a great episode, but it just, it feels small in scale. A film is so much bigger. And you know, that's, that's one thing that I think Star Wars will have to keep. And I think it will keep, um, at some point, but I think it just needs a it, needs budget the, of film. And I don't know. I, yeah. I, I really hope that star Wars can save, like, I don't know. I would rather less, I would rather less of trickle and like some big films. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I think, we're, yeah, I think we're going to get that still, hopefully, hopefully, and, you know, but I, I think the, the problem, the problem is now is that because Disney plus they need to, they need to keep pumping as much as they can for yeah. people. It's no like, one's a bad guy here. It's just, this is like what the industry is now. Yeah, and exactly. It, yeah, yeah. It's so many things that are bumping heads with, with each other. Cause I, I mean, I would argue, I loved Mando season one a lot more than season two. Cause I felt like really? most of oh, season well. two was felt like commercials for other projects that were, were coming mm. out. Um, mm. But um, no, I, I, I definitely see 
both sides of it. George Lucas started his own production companies and stuff because he didn't want to deal with the machine. And then he became the, the machine. machine. <laughs> and then and then he turned into Vader. He was more machine than man. And then like he, <laughs> I don't, it's it's just funny how it <laughs> evolves and, and, and changes over time. Irony. But I think we are as soon as we can get to the place where we can split and have people working on their passion projects and understand that Star Wars is not one thing to one person. It's many things yeah. to many people. But um, real quick, uh, uh, Xanthi, uh, where can we find the, you and all oh, yeah. of your content? You can find me on um, TikTok at Star Wars Music Minute. You can find my podcast and YouTube channel, Star Wars Music Minute. Um, Darth Chaka was on an episode. And speaking of big, we talked a lot about scale in our episode. We were talking about the end of The Last Jedi. Um, it was... That was one of my favorite episodes of the season. So, um, yeah, definitely check out the episode of Darth Jocko. It's called The Legends of Luke Skywalker. And it was with on the battle of on crate. And oh my gosh, it was what a great, what a that great awesome. that's that's cinematic Star Wars history right there. Um, as well. Um, shout out to The Last Jedi. So yeah, you can find me in all those places. And when Book of Boba comes out, like with all the shows that come out, um, my buddies and I do on Star Wars Music Minute, we do um, weekly music discussions on each episode. So as Book of Boba is coming out, if you want to chat music and sound design, keep an eye out on Star Wars Music Minute channel. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for joining us. And uh, and, and Paul, uh, my dude P-Thug, uh, any, any more uh, final thoughts and excitement for Book of Boba? Yeah, uh, final thoughts. Um, I just, the original trilogy is just, I mean, you could talk for eons about it, and it's uh, and the one thing I would only say that we I wish we could talk about more, and it gets understated, and people want to rag on George for tweaking the films. I think it's actually pretty brilliant he did because what he ended up doing was actually reintroducing it to a whole new generation, and by updating the special effects, because the kids, you know, basically my my around my nephews are a little older than my nephew's age now, but at the time, like they. You know, the special you don't want to update it for special effects for them to get invested into it. If it looks old, and I re- you know, a lot of kids are gonna be like, that looks like my dad's movie. I don't want to watch that. <laughs> no, that's, that's not always a bad thing. And and I love all my dad's movies too, but you know, there is a sense of like ownership, I think, if you if it looks updated and it looks like something you are you can identify with, even if it's from a look standpoint of having it look like something you watched just the last week and it looks like it was the latest thing, right? So, sorry, my dog's like panting really heavily. Um, and uh, the, the thing is, I think that's so genius is that George, by doing that and updating mainly the first film, but reintroduced this whole idea of like, oh, like the kids, don't, they, don't think, they don't think it looks that old to them. It looks pretty new. And I think that really helped rejuvenate so many people into Star Wars as young as young, younger Star Wars fans and things like that. Just And obviously the, the effects in Empire and Jedi were so, like, they're so ahead of their time back then that they, they still looked fine, you know, uh, when they were released in the mid-90s. So I think it just was really a genius move for him to update those uh, those dogfight scenes, even though it's very controversial for me to say that because a lot of people say, give me the originals. It's like, eh, the originals are amazing, but like, I think it's pretty genius what he did too. So, um, but book of- so you're seeing exterior shots in Cloud City and Windows. Yes. You, you, Thank you. You yeah. can't complain about that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I love yubbing up as much as the next person, but yeah, I definitely think Victory Celebration is better. Personally, yes. I, I, I I definitely agree with that. Yubnup, I love yubnup. I love both, but I think Victory Celebration as a 
as a whole, especially with if you think of the whole trilogy and or the whole um, saga, it makes more sense. You have Tatooine, Naboo. It hits all the all the big places, right? Coruscant. Like you got to see those places, and and the music is. Let's be real. It's it's a lot. It's a lot more. It feels better. It just feels better. Like Yub Nubs. Just, it's kind. Of, it's. I love it, but it's a little silly. But anyway, I whatever. Yub Nubs got a sick bass line though. Dude, word. Hey, you know me. I'm a bass player. Come on, Chaco. I'm a bass player. I, I got this. I, I get it. So it's it's hard to betray my betray myself. Um, but I mean, I, I love Boba Fett. I've always been love Boba Boba Fett. I, I'm not sure how many people were on Twitter a couple of years ago, but it felt like Star Wars Twitter really turned on Boba Fett, and they're like, "All right, Boba Fett's the worst. Boba, he's the worst." I'm like, "I love Boba Fett. They're like, how could you? Oh, he's worthless." I'm like, "Okay," you know, it was just kind of weird. People, you know, ragged on him, and then like he had this renaissance last year and and everything, and. uh I don't know. I, I I love Boba Fett, so I, I'm I'm excited for it. Uh, oh, hey, look at, um, and uh, you know the thing is for me, I, I I've stayed away from spoilers. I have no idea what's happening. I've only watched the one trailer. I'm trying to stay away from everything, so I'm like p- completely pure. I'm not even gonna watch it like when it comes out on Wednesday. I'm watching it on Friday with my wife because I want to we have, eat pizza and enjoy it. Because my wife and I have this weird Star Wars tradition now with because Disney Plus. But yeah, uh, I'm excited for it. I love Boba Fett. I. I'm curious, really quick. I'm kind of again. We'll make this go long, but I want to actually kind of ask you all a quick question. The, the that episode where Robert Rodriguez directs, I, I think it's good. I like it, but it always made me. It always looks weird to me. It always is films kind of. It just I like it, but it just feels a little off. Did anyone else have that impression when they watched that episode? Just, just visually standing, like from a visual standpoint. Anybody else besides me? Was this the Twi'lek episode? This was the um the the one where Boba Fett shows up and he takes his armor and like they're fighting on that hill and and Grogu's like just you know chilling on the the Jedi uh yeah, Jedi temple second to last last yeah episode. yeah yeah um, the whole time I was sitting there watching like why why doesn't why doesn't Din use his jetpack like he we we saw he could mm-hmm. remotely call it and control it in episode two do that just just call it. It just, Damn it, call it. <laughs> but, but just from, from, a direct, just from a director standpoint, from visuals, did anyone else felt it looked? It just felt weird to me. I don't know. I I can't explain. <clears> it. I felt like I was watching it like this. Yeah, you know what I mean. Okay. But I didn't. I didn't hate that. I think I liked it. Right. It just it was it kind of was jarring for me. And that's the one thing I'm a little worried about with the episode is or the season is I don't want it to be like that. Cause it did. It definitely weirded me out. It's grown on me after I watched it. I didn't hate it, but it just it felt odd to me. So anyway, that's just me, but yeah, I'm, I'm stoked for it. I love Boba Fett. So give me more Boba. Awesome. I love it. Well, I want to thank you guys so much for, for coming out here for, for talking Star Wars with me. I appreciate people being willing to come out and nerd out with me um, each week. So it's, it's a blast. Uh, special shout out to, to Brian who I've been, trying to get to, to join in making some content for like a, a year now. So <laughs> thank you. I, I appreciate all of y'all. Um, and yeah, more to come. There will not be an episode next week. Uh, we're, we're taking, taking the week off, but uh, we will be back at it strong the following week, diving into the sequel trilogy. Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to see everyone in the chat uh, who's still here, here with us. But until then, thank you. Uh, On to the next one. And may the force be with you always.